Algar Productions. Despite the title, the following podcast is most decidedly not for kids. This is the Kids Love Batman podcast with your hosts, Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Episode 6, Two-Face Part 2, and It's Never Too Late. Hi, friends. It's, uh, it's week two times three. Two, two-dee-two. Two. We've struck it. We've struck on the second week of the second month of the second year. I haven't no. done any of that, Two-Face. <laughs> oh. Oh, damn it. You know Grace what? I'll cut it back so in. disappointed. <laughs> I don't know how he does that voice without, like, Shredding his throat. Right. This is uh, like this is well-known District Attorney Harvey Dent, and this is his friend Trufresh. Ah, Big Bad Harv. <laughs> wow. I was gargling, and then I just shattered the glass and swallowed it. <laughs> There's, I mean, Night Court's Richard Mull continues to impress. I yep. will say that. Like I at the time. When this aired, I was like, okay, I remember that guy. He's funny. Mm-hmm. But really, he's playing this tragic film. Okay, all right. That's, that's okay. Just the and higher ups. He fucking that, nailed it. Uh, higher ups at uh, Batman the Animated Series. We need someone for uh, the tragic villain Two Face. Get me the tall, funny bailiff from Night Court. Mm hmm. Really? Me? Okay. I'm well, feeling much better now. Well, I guess I'll do the best job ever. And he did. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a there's a bit near the end of this, and we'll we'll get into it, but where like uh, kind of how he's defeated at the very end, and he's just like wailing like a maniac, yep. just like so good. <laughs> like a lot of voice actors just will not let go like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just like let, let that freaking primal anger come out. Yeah. You just ah, so good. Listen, my voice is an instrument. Yeah, I'm not going to tear it apart doing this Two Face voice. No, you get you'd like think of it like an instrument, but then you're like the uh, the rock star who's like smashing his guitar on the stage, mm-hmm. man. Like think of the show that makes. I mean, that's true. Yeah, but my guitar set my I set my vocal cords on fire. Try to set the vocal cords on fire. <laughs> that's why Two Face right. was not invited back to Woodstock, <laughs> which he definitely attended in the '60s. Which is weird because you'd think he'd only be at Woodstock too. <laughs> oh, if you guys like two puns, or even if you don't, well, that's going to be the next half hour. So <laughs> strap in. But first, Matt, why don't you tell us what happens in Two Face Part Two? Face. Part Two. Face Two. Part. Shit. <laughs> Stuck right. in a loop. So it's been two and one month, and Harvey Dent has happily <laughs> fallen into his new role as the scarred gangster Two Face. Stealing from Rupert Thorne's various enterprises with his new sidekicks, Two Faces, Two Pals, Jimmy Olsen's, left over from being duplicated by Mr. Mix's Pitlick. Two Face is really enjoying the whole criminal thing, but he still misses Grace, his fiance. Meanwhile, Batman misses his old friend Harvey Dent, who he's been trying to track down since last week's Two One Face Part One. He's noticed that Dent has been hitting all of Thorne's two based businesses, like Club Twenty Two, the Gemini Club, and Two Time Terrence's Big House of Twos. It's a brothel. <laughs> anyway, he's run out of two-themed targets, and Batman suspects that he's going to be going after Thorn for real. 
Thorin, meanwhile, is about fed up with Two-Face and puts a $2 million bounty on his head. I assume hoping that Two-Face will try to claim it himself. Then Thorin sends his lady friend Candace to pose as Detective Attractive Glasses Lady and gets Harvey's still mourning ex-fiancee Grace to plant a bug on Harvey if and when he shows up. Which is soon, because Jimmy Olsen Red and Jimmy Olsen Blue have noticed that Two-Face has been really down in the dumps lately and probably misses his girlfriend, so they convince Two-Face to pick her up. And when she arrives at stately Two-Face Manor, half of a burned-out restaurant, she almost convinces Harvey to turn himself in, but then Thorne arrives to execute him, and then Batman arrives to try to save him, and then there's a big fight, after which Thorne is arrested, and Harvey's taken to Arkham, where, Batman muses, he can receive the be very best of care with Grace, a woman who loves him. So it's kind of a shame that we never see her ever again. I said this before, though. I feel like this show might at least address what happened to her. I would hope so, you know? And I would not. really hope I mean, it, would, it would not just be a tossed aside dialogue dialogue like uh, you were the one who invited her down to the Batcave. I kind of like that too, but we'll see. I don't know. I There's there's a bit of continuity. This actually relates to the next episode mm. where the mobster in the episode uh, stops being a criminal and uh, we never see him again except in flashbacks when we're dealing with the mafia from a while ago. Oh, that's and there cool. he is again. It's just a, it's a little detail they paid attention to. Oh, mm. the timeline is he's not a thing anymore, but he was a thing when we flash back to, like, Robin's origin a few years ago. Sure. So, pretty cool. I was best friends with Boss Zuko. He wasn't my boss, mm -hmm. but he was a boss. You you call him boss. It's a respect thing. Yeah, you know? that was, no, that was his first name, Boss Zuko. <laughs> it's called nominative determinism. <laughs> his mom was like, I really hope my boy grows up to be a mafia, Don. And then he did. No, you could also be a political guy. Like in uh, Citizen Kane, there was Boss Jim Gettys. Oh, that's right. That was just a thing in the 30s. I don't I don't know what it actually was, but it was a, like a, you're just a boss. Mm -hmm. I think it would be fun to have a son who owned a newspaper. <laughs> so, two. Yep, two. Did two. you pick up on two that? Two. two. They, I, I'm really impressed that they managed to do the sort of goofy-ass Silver Age Two-Face thing. But it, but without losing like the seriousness. Yeah, it. it's still it's still tragic, you know. It's still like a yeah. really well told origin story. But also, this guy really likes two, <laughs> to the point where it just it gets a little absurd. There, there, there's a lot. Well, like first, the first opening all, shot of the episode is room two two two. Like, yep. oh, here we go. Well, and then like it turns out, Thorn owns a ton of businesses called like two stuff. Uh huh. And it's just like. Get why is that, why was that a choice, Thorn? Shrug, well, especially I, don't know. I need like, more is... places to buy green vests. God, that it's so ugly. Like all the all the mob guys are so well dressed, mm -hmm. and just it's such a bad choice. The main mob guy is just like, Murr. what are you gonna do? You're gonna tell me I'm wearing something ugly? Of course you're not. Mm -hmm. You gotta you gotta you gotta kiss up to me. I have you so... fitted for a cement green vest. <laughs> so. I, this is actually my bad thing. Mm. Harvey's been hitting places with the with two in the name, which is very on brand. But in six months, nobody figured out the incredibly obvious pattern. Like Batman, allegedly one of the world's great detectives, is only just now, half a year later, saying, oh, the connection is the number two. The problem is he just learned what Gemini means. <laughs> oh. It's just... Oh. It's, it's like, I mean... He's calling himself Two-Face, mm -hmm. and I got to give Thorne credit. He doesn't call him Harvey anymore. He calls no. him Two-Face. Yeah. Like, he, 
he he recognizes the change and says, okay, this is what you want to be called. Very well. Mm-hmm. But really, really, Batman? <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't put that one together. You couldn't you couldn't put two and two together. Well we what uh, what we didn't see was that first he investigated all of Rupert Thorne's face based businesses. Oh, yeah, that tracks. I, I just want to make sure you didn't miss what I said. Two two and two. No, no, I picked up on that. It's good. It was a two. good two pun. It's well worthy of this episode. <laughs> you'll I get just, two award, you'll get two awards for that joke. <laughs> no, I'll come in second. <laughs> I I just it delights me. Mm-hmm. He's got his dumb two identical uh henchmen. Yep. Just the whole everything. I love it. I also, once the, again, henchmen who really care about working for their boss. Mm-hmm. I really like the bit where he's sadly staring at a picture of, in his wallet of his of his girlfriend who he hasn't seen since uh, he became Two Face. And what are the, hang on, hang his, on. Since he since he revealed what he looked like after his tragic accident, and she dead on fainted like yep. a sitcom mom. Yep. Oh. Thump. Yeah. One of his one of his goons goes, well, geez, boss, if you miss us so much, why don't you call her? You seem real down in the dumps since you guys broke up. I think even just meeting one last time to really sort of end the relationship would be real healthy for both of you. Oh, yeah, you need closure. <laughs> you guys yeah. almost got married. It's real important. Yeah, look, you, you still got the bridal registry here. You got all the stuff to remind you. That can't be healthy. I just don't want to call my mom. <laughs> mom, I have bad news. What's wrong, Two-Face? <laughs> the wedding's off. Oh, no. Is that what his mom sounds like? Yes. It's just well, uh, he's Two-Face got one, in a bonnet. He's got a normal-looking dad and a mom who's got a full burned-up face. Yeah, that makes sense. That's how that's how genetics works. Yeah. Um, speaking of his his henchmen, though, um, this is my hey, it's that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the monkeys own Mickey Dolans plays that guy. Like both both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty cool if you're if you're into the monkeys. But also, he was uh, uh, voice acting at this time. He was probably better known to you and and other people who grew up on '90s cartoons as the original voice of Arthur on the Tick. Oh yeah. He's got kind of a nice, yeah, he's got a nice like schlubby guy voice. Mm. And then for whatever reason, they didn't get him back in season two and Rob Paulson replaced him. Rob Paulson's great, but he didn't have that sort of weird, distinctive Mickey Dolan sound. Yeah. So, you know, he doesn't quite work for me as a, as a tough guy, but it's still nice hearing him. I mean, I don't consider these guys tough. Like it's very clear that Two-Face hired them because there are two of them. Yeah, but you need muscle. You need, you know, you need guys who can, like, and they got guns, yeah. and they know how to use them, but, you know. He well, only gives them two shooters, so that doesn't help. And he only, they only get two bullets each, so. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> now, do they have to split two bullets, or do they get two bullets each? One bullet for you, and one bullet for you, because you're the same guy. We're not the same guy. We're two <laughs> separate guys. Oh. I'm seeing double for Jimmy Olsen's. <laughs> you say you look like Jimmy Olsen. I thought he looked like uh, Rorschach under the mask. Oh, yeah, I can see that, too. Yeah. Like uglier yep. is what I'm saying. Jimmy Olsen's supposed to be kind of cute. Mm-hmm. These guys did not look cute. They oh, jeez, just... Mr. White. Mm-hmm. And don't call me chief. I wasn't gonna. Good. Really. Great Caesar's ghost. <laughs> What's happening? 
<laughs> kudos. Uh, so I don't know. What's your bad thing? Let's let's do. That. I I think the coin the coin thing could have benefited from just a tiny bit more setup. Like we see Harvey using it before, and it's a good callback. But like we're never told why he started relying on it for making his decisions. It's just I'm true face. Oh, I flip a coin now. No, he's got a whole speech with Grace. He's got a whole monologue about like chance and how you can't count on anything in life and how it's just down to the flip of a coin. I don't know. I just it just seemed real like. Okay, I guess this is another thing that you're into now. I got true things. Because I'm true things. Yeah. I like two things people know about me. I like two, and I like I have this coin that tells me what to do. Uh Oh, because it has two sides. I'm dumb. I just realized that. I can only have two choices. Like... Did, did you just realize that? Or yes. did the person you imagined just no, realize No, literally that? Oh. just now I just realized that because he can only have two toys, choices because he's two-faced. Yeah. I'm going to see right. myself out of this Batman podcast I co-host. It's a it's a double-headed coin, Matt, yeah. and one of them is scarred like him. Yeah, but I thought it was because one of the fa- just because one of the faces was scarred like Two-Face. Yeah, it's also that. <sighs> and I know in the comics there's like uh, more meaning behind it. Like I, there's a version where isn't it his dad's coin? and Yep. His dad beat him up or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or am I That's usually what dads do to villains in uh, superhero comics. Ah, okay. And uh, I feel like there's another, I don't know. There's like, I know there's, there's more meaning behind it. And I could, I, I agree with the show not giving it too much. Like, let's not focus on the, the prop. Let's mm-hmm. focus on the guy. Yeah. You know, well, like, I mean, that didn't bother me. The episode is still very, very good. So. No, again, we're we're kind of struggling for, you know, for bad things. It's like, what am I mad about? Oh, I don't like the, mm. co- the color of Bruce's pajamas. Mm. It's probably a bit of a reach. That's, your bad thing doesn't have to be something you're mad about. It's just like the, the point of the exercise is to find, like, to be critical, to, to, to try to look at, like, well, there's very few things that are perfect. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> I was even... I had a front runner that was like, I, I really liked Thorne's uh, girl henchman in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that looked that I said looked like Lois Lane last week. I'm like, yeah. well, maybe my bad thing could be that she never comes back. And then I did some research and she does. I got nothing. Yeah. No, again, the show's pretty good with continuity. Mm-hmm. Like, surprisingly, like, when you're a kid, you probably don't notice that stuff because you don't, like, remember all those little details. Sure. But also, they probably aired them out of order after the first I time. I mean, they definitely did. I remember fucking... Two Face yeah. Part Two didn't show up for two more months. That's <sighs> syndication's not supposed to work like that. I know. <sighs> All right, what was your good thing? Uh, there is a sleeting rain effect used in this episode that I have never seen in animation before, and it looks so good. I have, but it is a very good effect. It's, just as uh, like, oh, go ahead. it's just like it really sort of gives the idea of just that that rain that is just dumping down you know yeah it's a it's i swear i maybe i saw this in like a behind the scenes uh featurette on the dvds of this or something mm. but like it's made by putting scratches on like black film yes and then like superimposing that over and yeah I, it's it's an amazing effect it looks very good it's so my cool. only my only complaint because you got to the episode first, and I, so I was looking at your notes as I was watching, mm. and so I paid more attention to it. Was that it? Like it only had about five frames to it. Like sure, if if you're watching the rain for a while, you see the same 
drops over and over and oh, over yeah. again. Like they should have. I I know it's a tiny nitpick. They just should have like cycled through them differently so it didn't look like a pattern. But it, yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I I noticed that too. It just didn't bother me. You know, sometimes animation. Yeah, it doesn't bother like me. That. It's just like I said. I was I was looking at it more closely because you had you had mentioned mm. it was all. But no, it looks amazing. It looks so good. It looks so noir, which the show has such a noir vibe to it. Oh yeah, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so my good thing. Yes. I have always loved and will continue to love as we proceed through this entire animated universe, Batman's fucked up psyche. Like, okay, yeah, he's a little to blame for Harvey's disfigurement. He did push him toward the danger, danger, high voltage thing. But uh, but his dream where he not only sees Harvey, but his murdered parents while he stands there in impotent horror is just mwah. <laughs> just, oh my God. I love, there's a, there's a bit really, where- Really, Bruce? Uh... There's a bit where uh, his dad turns to him and is like, why didn't you save us, son? And I'm watching like, well, eight-year-olds aren't usually great at overpowering mobsters. Yeah, but I guess he was just a thief. I also like that that has nothing to do with like, like any anxiety dream he has, has them tacked on at the end no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like, oh no, I got to make sure I pay Alfred before he goes on vacation. And also my parents. (laughs) Bruce, why didn't you pay Alfred before he went on vacation? And also, you've we were disappointed murdered. me, Bruce. Uh huh. I'm also I just, here. I like that the the episode is like ostensibly about Harvey, and it is. It very uh-huh. much is. But we still get a little glimpse of just how messed up Bruce slash Batman is, and will always be. That and, that you know. Yeah. Spoiler for the future: he ain't getting better. <laughs> No, you you might say this is actually the happiest that Batman ever is. It absolutely is with the with the smiling and the thumbs up mm-hmm. and the and the puns like making yeah. jokes. I'm gonna yep. be Batman forever, but not the movie Batman Forever. That's no, a, that's a different thing. Fucking old Bruce crawls up on his cane. I got bad news. Mm-hmm. Ah, oh, so good. Mm-hmm. I love uh, I, I do... love that whole dream sequence too. Just it looks really good. It does. I mean, there's some, uh, there's a little bit of sloppy animation. Again, nitpicking mm. the hell out of this, but they definitely got the B team on this one. There's some off model, like Harvey looks weirdly pudgy, mm-hmm. and like mm, he's supposed to be triangle shaped, like all the all the big strapping Bruce Tim guys. Sure. And he just at, at one point he takes on like penguin proportions. <laughs> it's a weird choice. You said you weren't going to turn me into the penguin, Batman. But you did! <laughs> whack! <laughs> whack, whack, whack! But uh, I do have another nitpick, and this legit bothers me, because, mm. like, as I have mentioned, as I will continue to mention, I'm I'm very much sort of into sounds, like the, the voices and the sound effects and the music and all that stuff. Sure. And the sound that Harvey's coin makes when it flips drives me nuts. You mean that is not what a flipping coin sounds like. It's this very low pitched sort of like like you're throwing up a, a very large object. Like a coin makes a tinny little metal noise. Ding. Like that. But, I mean ugh. I could definitely see them adding that sound to add weight to every coin flip he does. Yeah, but it makes the coin sound like it's a manhole cover. <laughs> I gotta flip it's, my it's, manhole cover. It just doesn't it doesn't match. It it bugs me. And ugh. It's one of those things that should not bother me as much as it does, mm. but what are you going to do? Fair. 
Uh, so, okay, what else? Um, you want to get into the kids love Batman of it all? Yeah, you have a good one for this one. Um, so this episode opens with Two-Face inciting a mob war by robbing a bookie, which was the first mm-hmm. time that I, one, realized that bad guys could fight each other, mm-hmm. and also that I had to be told what a bookie was and why it was illegal. Oh boy, how was that conversation with, I assume, one of your parents? Yeah, that was a weird one. Where did Dad, you learn what's a bookie? about Where did you learn what a bookie was from Batman? I don't think I like this Batman as much as the one you used to watch. <laughs> How come he doesn't dance anymore? <laughs> Remember the Batusi? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it's I mean and we're going to get way more into the nuts and bolts of the mob in oh, the next one. Yeah. We're just but... hitting the tip of the iceberg lounge here. Ooh, that was very good. Yeah. I was waiting for a two pun, and you and you swerved on me there. Ah, penguin next week. Uh-huh. You're you're pretty excited about the penguin, aren't you? I like the penguin. I don't think he gets too many episodes in this show, but I like him. Ah, he shows up surprisingly a lot, actually. Really? Like more than you think. Mm-hmm. Like the the one the guys that loom large, like Mister Freeze, are only in it like twice. Mm-hmm. But the penguin, because he's I to me, he's just not that memorable. Sure. Like he's fine. But I think what you're thinking of is, you know, the 60s version, just like the Riddler. I mean, yeah, 60s Penguin was the best Penguin. Yeah, 60s Riddler. Saying that, that, I mean, I've said this before, I'll say it again. The, this show does a pretty good job with the Riddler, but the only great Riddler was Frank Horsham. Well, the thing is that the best Riddler was actually the best Joker. Well, right. We've talked about this. Yeah, I don't. Uh, there was also a very distinctive sound of the crunch of bones breaking. There sure was. Batman, Batman was, broke uh, the shit out of that guy's wrist. Yeah, I don't know how they got that one through. But, yep. Uh, just, there you go. Ah, jeez, Mr. White, he broke my freaking hand. Well, I better break my hand, too, so we match. <laughs> I, want, I still want those pictures on my desk. <laughs> pictures of Batman. <laughs> uh, what else? Let's see. I feel like because this kind of followed on from the last one, we might run a little short on discussion yeah i can see that you know um like we get to not... this is the first right. appearance of batman's art deco motorcycle oh yeah very good looking motorcycle. which i love and also the first yep. appearance of the helmet he puts on over his normal hat which just looks like sort of a stiff metal version of his cowl mm-hmm. but i mean i get it which... It was the 90s you could not you definitely could not put someone on a motorcycle and not have them wear a helmet i'm i i feel like he would do that anyway oh yeah it's safety I don't understand first why Batman. he takes. I don't understand why he takes it off ever. Like, yeah, your head's well, bulletproof now, man. Well, like he gets punched in the back of the head in this episode, and it really takes him out for like, for like the rest of the runtime. But like, you know, yeah. if he hadn't left his helmet on the motorcycle, he might have survived. Instead, he yeah, got maybe... pitched over a maid's cart. <laughs> I think it's a janitor's cart. Excuse me. I think like. Uh, the 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 heavy helmet probably throws off his balance when he's doing all his crazy acrobatics. That's probably it. I, I can't do backflips with this helmet on. Sure, that's what they all say. Shut up, Alfred. I did like the uh, the helpful janitor guy. Oh yeah, I I this is a legit thing. I'm not I'm not goofing. I like when regular people help Batman. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things. It's like he's just some working class guy cleaning up in this office, and Batman's knocked out, and he's like, oh no. You need help. Ah, jeez, you, know, you just... really, 
You really got your ass kicked there, Batman. Yes, I know. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I just I'm a sucker for that because yep. like you know there's some there's some nice just regular folks out there mm-hmm. who uh, like support Batman and appreciate him and want to help him. Yeah, like, good. I'm glad. Uh, anyway, that's all I got. What about you? Uh, this is the first appearance of, I'm sure people have seen this on, uh, making the rounds on the internet lately, uh, Two-Face's personalized credit card. Ah, uh, yes. Six months later, he has reissued his credit card in the name of Two-Face. <laughs> I just wanted to put it, I've, ch- I've legally changed my name. Okay, Mr. Dent, what, what should we be referring to you now? Just Two-Face. Okay, is that what first name two, last name Face? I guess. Oh, one name with a hyphen, like Spider-Man. Okay, well, we gave Spider-Man his credit card. Spider-Man can't get a credit card. He's too poor. <laughs> oh, believe me, it's overdrawn or uh, <laughs> over the limit or whatever you say. God, I don't even know. How am I going to make Red Dan pay for Aunt May's medication with just this two, this one credit card? I have two of them. <laughs> of course you do. I have a good credit card and an evil credit card. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I buy drugs with. You really shouldn't buy drugs with credit card, but two. My, cre- my credit score is amazing on this one and terrible on this other one. It's two on this one and 2,000 on this one. Two. <laughs> I think this guy really likes two. <laughs> well, too Not much really. if you ask me. Ha, cha, 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 cha. Ugh. You know, boss, that doesn't really work because two T O O. Ow, my other hand! <laughs> now they match. <laughs> two hands. All right. Uh, I was watching this episode last yesterday. I'm just like, does he only brush half his teeth? I mean, the other half are constantly out. Mm-hmm. Like they must when get Grace... like bugs and shit in them, right? <laughs> yeah. When when Grace leans in to kiss him, I'm like, how how does that work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, he can't close the lips on one half of his face. Just rub your tongue along the exposed teeth. Gah. You know what? I think I'm good. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm good. All right, you got a quote? I do have a quote. This is uh, Thorn being a real dick to his new friend, Two-Face. Last we meet, face to face to face. I... I don't know if I liked that line or not. It felt a little, I don't know, like action movie catchphrasey kind of thing. But I don't know. I At do. I do like him meet. being a dick. Yep. Face so. to face to face. Yes, fine. Mm-hmm. I said it. I have. Yep. I don't know if you notice or not, but I have two faces now. <laughs> Join us this Saturday morning and every Saturday morning at two. Two. <laughs> All right. Goddamn Let's dead move. dog dedication. <laughs> Coming out of an up-tempo record. He's done on the phone. <laughs> Where are those pictures? They're right here, Mr. White. <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> All right. Let's move forward now to... I feel like it's cl- never... Kids Love Batman mm-hmm. descends into madness a lot more. Well, you know, we're happy again. Uh-huh. That happens. All right, let's move on now to It's Never Too Late. I wrote this one. (laughs) I'm on the the staff now. Boss, I told you before, T-O, ow, my foot. (laughs) I'm going to break your other foot, too. Oh, no. (laughs) Going to pull a misery on you. (laughs) 
I didn't get out of the cockatoo car. A cockatoo car, huh? <laughs> All right. Here we go. <sighs> Serious episode. Somber attitude. Here we go. We push in on a vast, lonely, gated estate with an ornate letter S featured prominently in the delicate ironwork. Presumably, this is the stately home of Charles Foster Sane. <laughs> and if you think that reference would have gone over kids' heads in 1992, well, friends, let me present to you the quintessential example of a principle we here at Kids Love Batman like to call Kids Love Batman. Meet Arnold Stromwell, rival mob boss to Rupert Thorne, and also a guy who makes and sells drugs. I feel like there's probably a word for that? The big Stromboli, as he is inexplicably never called even once, despite having Strom right in his name and being mobbed up, is escalating his war with Thorne. See, his son, let's just assume he's known as Little Stromboli, has been missing, missing for some time, and Stromwell is certain that Th Thorne and his goons are behind it. Thorne, for his part, is completely innocent of this particular crime, and therefore all crime, according to the transitive property of legality. Thorne arranges a sit-down with Stromwell in a scene clearly reminiscent of The Godfather, another perennial children's favorite. I didn't kidnap your boy, says Thorne. I've been too busy duking it out with Two-Face. Didn't you see the previous episode? Stromwell admits that he hasn't. He DVRs the show during the week and binges on the weekends. That probably means you skipped the commercials too, you son of a bitch, screams Thorne as he orders the restaurant exploded. <laughs> and because he is, as they say, a man with connections, if you know what I mean, the restaurant does indeed explode thanks to his army of mafia henchmen and their access to illegal explosives. Stromwell manages to survive because he's saved by... Well, now, who's this guy with the cape and cowl? He looks vaguely familiar, but... No, I got nothing. Stromwell addresses him as Batman, which is as good a name as any, I guess. Batman proceeds to take Stromwell by the hand to the exciting set piece that the kids have been clamoring for this whole time. A drug rehab center. There, amidst the tragic relics of forgotten humanity and the seemingly hopeless struggles against the demons of addiction, he sees his missing son. Also his wife, who was apparently also missing, but he weirdly didn't seem all that concerned about her. Wait a minute, says Stromberg. I knew my drugs killed people, but I didn't think they'd kill anyone I actually knew or cared about. And with this selfless question mark realization, suddenly we see Stromberg as someone capable of redemption. This raises all sorts of moral issues, so he goes to see a priest. Well, he's chased there by Thorne and his goons, but the net result is the same. Here's a priest who lost his leg when he was hit by a train when he and Stromwell were both kids. The two brothers, did I mention they were brothers, embrace and share a touching and weepy moment. Then Stromberg turns himself over to the police and vows to dismantle his drug empire, atone for his crimes, and assist in the rehabilitation of his son, because as the title promises, it's never too late. And almost certainly in the real world in 1992, some journalist somewhere has a brilliant idea and sits down to write what he believes to be an extremely insightful think piece entitled, Bam! Pow! Batman's not just for kids anymore! One of thousands. Y yeah. Just, it, I'm pretty sure they're still writing them. Yeah. They're, it's and still they... impossible to write a, an article about uh, comics without including Bam! Pow! Yeah, and like, uh, editors are still greenlighting them is the worst part. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I read today that comics aren't just for kids anymore. Maybe write an Ooh, article ben about Powell. that. You got oh. it, Mr. White. <laughs> Wait, I thought I was Mr. White. <laughs> Things have changed since the last episode. Continuity in this but isn't a... as tight as you thought. But I'm on the writing staff. <laughs> yeah, so this is barely a Batman episode. Uh, can we just get into the uh, the kids love Batman of it all in yeah, this please, one first? Please do. Um, 
who the fuck is this for? <laughs> like, it's not a bad episode at all, but like... No, I like it quite a bit. This show is still for kids, right? This is a yeah. kid's show. It was... it it. It played, as I recall, in the afternoons after school between, like, two other cartoons for kids. I assume one of them was Animaniacs. Like, yeah, it's about the sad fall of an aging mob dawn. I cannot mm-hmm. imagine what writer Tom Ruger, who I had to look up, was thinking with this. Like, like to be hired to write a Batman episode and put Batman in as an afterthought in this, like, intricate tale of two mob of two mob bosses going to war what is well, happening i think uh, that uh bruce tim and whoever else was like running the show at this point mm-hmm. I, when they put the call out for writers and we know at least early on there were a lot of spec writers there were a lot of like people who had written in comics oh, or yeah. other animation or whatever but n- not really on the staff mm-hmm. like i think their instructions were don't write a kids Batman show. We're writing like like think of, you know, think of grown up stories. Like we still have standards and practices, but still, like you can deal with mature themes. Like any Batman comic you liked that dealt with, you know, like heavy shit. Go ahead and write stuff like that. Mm. That's good. We're into it. And stuff like this came out. Yeah. And it's, it's I baffling. enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. It's a very good episode. It's got it's got elements of a lot of old movies that mm-hmm. I have enjoyed. There's a there's a movie in particular that uh, that I liked. Well, I didn't actually see the movie because Clark Gable's in it, and Clark Gable was involved in some really unpleasant things that make me not want to watch Clark Gable movies. Sure, but they did a radio adaptation of it. Anyway, the story is like these two guys grow up together, and like one of them becomes a crime boss, and one of them becomes like a priest, mm-hmm. and. Uh, there's definitely elements of that in here. There's uh, you pointed this out as well. There's some Godfather stuff. Oh, yeah. There's it's, it's all kinds of like it's like a pastiche of things that kids would have no way of knowing. It's so weird too because like this would be the first exposure to a lot of kids for all of this stuff. And I just yeah, and like... if honestly like I I don't think about this as much as you do. Like I do now because we framed the show this way, mm-hmm. but. Because you were that age, it's obviously, you know, forefront in your mind. But I was 17 when the show started and, you know, it went on into my 20s. So, like, I like I think I was the uh, target audience for this, like uh, nerds who were still watching cartoons and but also capable of like more sophisticated, you know, like uh, dealing with more sophisticated themes. Oh, absolutely. It's just like I rem- I remember watching this and just like oh god it's another one about gangsters I fucking hate these ep- these episodes. Yeah no I I quite enjoyed this one but yeah Batman's barely in it. Yeah. Like you could have told the story without him. I mean and it yeah. still would have been good. Like, like the only thing he's like he he you know he helps redeem the mob the the mob boss guy but like even he doesn't really do that so much as like connect him with his brother so his brother can do it. Yeah, all, all he really does is bring him to certain things, and yeah. the plot could have done that just as easily. And this is actually my bad thing. Mm-hmm. So Batman's just, like, showing this guy the error of his ways, Ghost of Christmas Past style? That was the number one thing. I, I could not stop thinking about that the entire time I was watching this. Just like It just doesn't feel like his M.O. at all. Behold, the, f- the chains you forged in life. I didn't forge chains, I forged drugs. Lots of drugs. That's why I'm a very rich man. 
I was a drug forger, Batman. No, I I, I know. That's what the whole point of this is. Really? Because usually you just kick the shit out of us and then send us to jail. I'm trying something new this week. Is it working? <laughs> I mean, seeing my kids strung out and my uh-huh. wife just abandoning me, like, to, to help him, that that's more doing it than you, but, you know. That that bit amazed the shit out of me that it was in here. Um, well, this, this is my, a good thing, right? It is. Like, in the midst of the drugs are bad 90s, I really like having a show that shows actual, like, an actual drug treatment center and doesn't cast the blame on, on Joey, the son, as a bad guy. Like, just because he's on drugs. I never saw that. Now let's were... let's really get into the drugs are bad nineties as you mm-hmm. say it's a it's a it's a valid like observation and I would I would argue that it started in the eighties like I could totally see that that's relevant because I was a kid in the eighties and you were a kid in the nineties and mm-hmm. like I definitely saw some of this in the stuff I watched but it it definitely was more of a thing like cartoon all stars to the rescue was more of a you thing than a me thing. it sure fucking was but I was aware of it but mm-hmm. the 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 whole phenomenon you're discussing is that. TV shows clearly wanted to get the point across to kids that they shouldn't use drugs, but also they couldn't get specific in any way about yeah. what drugs were. Yeah, you could, drugs were, if you were a kid in the 90s, drugs were a thing in a box that was like, it was always, no matter who owned it, it was a weird collection of rolled up stuff and all, always, always pills. Like weird mm-hmm. Dr. Mario ass pills. Well, now that's a that's an animation thing because... You can only draw so many joints, and if you can't specifically draw a joint, then mm-hmm. what do you draw? Well, Needles, is, probably off limits. Yeah. Uh, Coke, kids aren't going to know what that is. Pills. No, Coke doesn't look like anything, you know? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, So I, I, get, I get from an art standpoint drawing, you know, like pills, because mm-hmm. that's the most obvious visual drug thing that isn't like a needle. Yeah. But yeah, it's it was also vague and nebulous and like... As a kid, I had no idea what drugs were. It was it was so weird because like it was such an important thing cuz yeah. you were getting hit with drugs are bad all the time like at school, like commercials, like there was all of this oh, yeah. stuff. And like you didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. You just knew that it was like the worst thing. Yeah, and like when I was when I was little, my uncle smoked a lot of weed. Like he had a he had a bong. And, like, he never did it, like, I never got a contact high or anything, but I definitely noticed a, sm- a funny smell coming sure. out of his room sometimes. And, like, looking back, it was, like, who cares? So no. what? Like, he didn't he didn't hurt me. He always did it, like, off on his own. Mm-hmm. But I, I did not put together that that weird thing that looked like a glass bird feeder in his room <laughs> was the same as the drugs on TV that yeah. I was, like, I was supposed to not be using. Well, and That's like, just like his his funny smoke, you well, know. And like, if I met just regular people in my life who like happened to like smoke weed, like this happened as I got a little mm-hmm. older, you know, and I would meet people that like smoke pot or whatever, and it would just like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh no, I thought you were cool, but you're actually a bad person in all capital letters because uh-huh. you smoke the drugs in all capital letters. Well, and and. To get the point across, you do have to deal in, like, sort of black and white absolutes. But also, there's some hacky writing there, too. Yeah. So this is all of those things. Yeah. But, and and standards and practices, even if you're trying to, to like, teach kids, I'm sure would not let you get very specific. So mm-hmm. all of those things combined means 
We have no, like, I knew the phrase peer pressure years before I understood what the concept meant. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. In in light of all of that, mm-hmm. this kid very clearly recovering. Like, I, I gathered heroin, like yeah, something real serious. Too. And, like, he but was, I mean, he also, was having you a know, rough time I've, of it. I've had a pot hangover. I've looked like that before. I doubt you're going to be in hiding for a long period of time at a at a recovery clinic for that. That's I don't a know. One that's time a day I got or really two to shake. Hit under a pile of coats. So, yeah, but did you stay there for weeks? No, I stayed there for hours. That's what I did. You stay there for so long that one of your parents like started a war because <laughs> they thought like someone had kidnapped you. I mean, oddly enough, yes, actually. Well, you not heard about I've the met your mom. She's family, very... uh, mob war. <laughs> mob war well, went down in 1992. I've met your mom. She's very protective. I get that. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, it just like, like his son's been missing long enough that, you know, he thinks someone kidnapped him. Yeah. He's not just off on a day, like a day long bender or something. He's been gone for a while. Sure. So yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. But yeah, the whole, the whole idea, like I just bringing it back to this, the whole idea of Batman having to take him there. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, that didn't, you know, it was just, it for me, it was just nice seeing it not be, you know, like, yeah. treated like the worst thing in the world for once, you know? It was like, yeah, now we're getting this kid it's, help. It's rough, and yeah. it affected this kid, but it, it, it treated him more as a victim than as the bad guy, which is Yeah, nice. exactly. You know, and yeah, that's a that's a bad, like, black and white thing to paint with, too, like the whole victimization mm-hmm. thing. But it's, it, you know, it's still a kid's show. You This yeah. is more nuanced than we've ever gotten before, mm-hmm. so... Uh, so to, to switch it up a little, my good thing is, so we got a lot of mob guys in this and we got a lot of, uh, when Brian was on a couple weeks ago, talked about the, like when they designed the henchmen well, and Mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of that here. There's also a lot of really good voice, like, uh, diversity. Oh yeah. Andrea Romano, who's, whose praises I will sing forever on this podcast is so fucking good at casting. Like, oh yeah. These mob guys. These mob guys could have just been the same 10 guys you heard on every Saturday morning cartoon. Like, mm. it could have been Frank Welker and um, Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche. All mm. those guys, like, doing their mob guy voices, which are a little, like, pretty good, but a little cartoony. Sure. Or you could cast guys with very distinctive voices whose regular voices sound like movie mafia guys. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, probably these actors were in a million, you know, they probably helped form that picture in your head. Yeah. So, like, it just hearing these distinctive, and they're all sort of odd-sounding voices, mm-hmm. like, just, and it's not a guy putting on a voice. It's just a guy's voice. It's like in Mask of the Phantasm, we get Abe Vigoda as an old mob guy, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's perfect, because yeah. that guy was in The Godfather as an old mob guy. Yeah. Y- your brain just puts that together. It's not some guy who can do 50 voices doing his best Abe Vigoda. It's fucking Abe Vigoda, you know? And- <laughs> I love really that. Good. I love yeah. that she goes that extra mile. And it, it, I know I'm kind of ranting about this, but like, <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to really pinpoint why I like it so much. It's just because people who genuinely sound like that make it feel more real. It, mm-hmm. it, that, that whole noir vibe that they're going for works so much better when it's not, when it doesn't feel like people pretending. Yeah. It's like they hired like actors almost, you know? Yeah. They they I mean, cast they them did. for the part. They, yeah. But they cast them for the part instead of like, oh, you can do 50 voices, so do one of these. Yeah. It's a, it's a very different kind of thing. And it just, it makes it feel more like you flipped to like an old black and white crime movie, but it's also a cartoon somehow. Yeah. 
And, you know, I love that. I love that vibe of the show in general, but the voice stuff, I think, really helps with that. Mm. And, you know, all the visual stuff does, too. Like, the the fact that, you know, we joke a lot about the Art Deco and all that stuff. Like, it's clearly the 30s or the 40s, but, like, that puts your mind in that old black and white movie mind frame, too. You oh, know? yeah. Like, you think you're watching an old movie about Al Capone or something. Well, that's the thing. It makes the the old-timey gangsters not look out of place. It's like yep. they're supposed to, you know, they belong here just as much as the Art Deco buildings and the old-time radios. Yep. And and the motorcycle. And the motorcycle that looks like Which a looks, building. It it looks like he rebuilt the um the Rocketeer into yep. a motorcycle. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Which I don't know if he's still alive in there. I I dare not think about that. That's, uh, that's geez, Batman made thought. Batman turned me into a motorcycle, PV. Shut up. <laughs> now I'm P- now I'm PV from the Rocketeer. I'm everywhere. I put bubble gum on your jetpack. <laughs> uh, Bob, who was on a few weeks ago, has a he actually made a little uh, video about this mm. about how the Rocketeer is all about gum. Yep. That's like the cornerstone, like the the keystone on which that entire plot is built. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. Uh, what else? Yeah, it is. It's a very good movie. Um, um, good. This is my bad thing. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So apparently, I already did that. So apparently, Rupert Thorne episodes just end with Rupert Thorne being arrested and then getting out again next week. Like, I know that's how it works for all of Batman's rogues, but like, it feels like it should be different with Thorne, who's just a regular mob guy. I don't know. It happens in real life too. I suppose that's true. It just makes rich, privileged people don't have to have the same justice you and I. Yeah, do. that's. You know, <laughs> it's just, I mean, it just makes it Kingpin. makes Batman feel ineffectual. I guess you know, it's well, like yeah, he bought I his mean, way out of prison again. That's kind of the point too. I think, mm-hmm. like it's, I've seen a lot of, and I'm sure you have as well. Good analysis of like, okay, in comics, to bring the bad guy back, you basically have to say that prisons have a revolving door. Yeah, but like. There's some interesting sort of like second wave of of interpretation of that, which is like that means the Batman's job is essentially hopeless. And what he's doing is to make himself feel better because he's not actually cleaning things up. Mm. And like there's a whole there's a whole angle on that that I really like. And that whole argument of does do do supervillains exist because there's a superhero? Yeah. And all of that. And I don't know. I just like. Is Batman making a damn difference because Rupert Thorne's just getting out anyway? Yeah. I kind of like that. All right. So, it, you know. I I did see in your notes that you said um, uh, you, you don't hate Rupert Thorne as much as you used no, to. No, he, uh, this this episode really bumped him up to uh, second-rate uh, Kingpin ripoff. Um, so, yeah, he's moving up in the world. Now, I just, like, Is between he... the... I've been exposed to a lot of Rupert Thorne this week because he's all over the fucking place. Yeah, he was place. in both of these episodes. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, all right, all right, as far as mob guys go, you know. No, that's the thing. Like, when we when we briefly covered two of these episodes, like, last year on our other show, mm. you had mentioned just, like, you, you don't really care for most of the mob guys in this show, and th- those episodes were boring. But yep. I think your memory of it is as a kid, whereas, first of all, I was kind of a grown-up when this came out, but I've also watched it again, like, more recently. Mm-hmm. So I remember the mob stuff being pretty good, and, and it is. Yeah. I mean, it's not the most interesting thing about the show, but, like, I don't know. I like that this show can, like, those things can coexist alongside guys like the Joker and then more absurd things mm-hmm. as well. Like, uh, and I'm trying to think of a good like example. Like robots. Right 
yeah, yeah. There's a there's a whole I think a two parter. Like, where there's like people being replaced by robots. Yeah. And that shit and you know, later we'll reveal that all the you know, the whole Justice League exists coexists alongside, you know, this world. Yep. So I I like that they can do this very grounded mob stuff, mm. like an episode like this where there's not a single supernatural or, or fantastic element about it. Yeah. But then but also, also it fucking is... Mr. Freeze next week. Like, yeah. A cryogenically frozen man with a freeze ray trying to save his frozen wife. Nora. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Coldness of the cold, Nora. Oh, boy. If you thought there were a lot of Two-Face impressions this week, wait till next week. <laughs> well, actually, next week uh, we have uh, on as a guest one of our uh, regular voice actors yeah. for a bunch of our projects. So I'm very curious to hear his impression. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else about this one? Uh, let's see. I thought Batman was going to do the old dangle the guy from the building to question him thing, but then they just swung away. But yep. there was definitely a fake out moment where he had Stromwell up on the, up on the building and he tied the, the rope to him. It was like, oh shit, he's going to do the thing. The thing. I love the no, thing. He didn't. He's got to be, he's got to be a little more hardcore before he gets to that. Yeah. I don't think he's, I don't think he's there yet. This is not the Batman who like like kicks a guy's hand through an open through an open window. Mm-hmm. He'll get there though. Yep. We're on an arc. Mhm. Uh, uh What else? Really there's a couple of really nice shots of the uh the church in this one that I quite liked. It's a real yep. nice fucking art deco Gotham City covered in gargoyles church. Yeah, that nice blend of art deco and gothic. Mhm. No, it's once again those just those those backgrounds, man. Yeah, there were a few moments too where they're swinging through the 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 city and so forth. Where it's yeah, just like oh man, like I would, I would like to own paint like those paintings. Like oh print. yeah, like I I'd even take a print. Like sure. I don't want to pay tons of money for it, but like I would I would hang that on my wall for sure. Just like that that cityscape, Jesus. Mm. I'm shocked uh back in the 90s that the uh the the WB store never sold prints of like the opening uh the title cards for this show, you know? Yeah. When no, Batman someone... Fever struck the nation. So I mean Batman Fever struck the nation in 1989. Mhm. But like, it would I continue was... to strike the nation for a while. That's true. But I yeah, I was at the epicenter of that hurricane. Like people were shaving the bat symbol on the sides of their heads in yep. madness. Batman fever. Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? I think that's everything I got. All right. Well, my hey, it's that guy. Yes. Uh, so the priest, who ended up being Stromwell's uh, uh, brother, was played by Paul Dooley, who was an Auburn Tane ah. in uh, Deep Space Nine. He was he was many other things, but uh, but that's how we know him. Best. We know him. <laughs> mm-hmm. As two guys who watched a lot of Star Trek. Hello, Elam. You might remember me from that time I went to the Gamma Quadrant and tried to bo- firebomb the uh, the Founder's homeworld. <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. My dear or old that... friend. Oh, Elam, what have you made of your life? I believe he was also Pappy in the, uh, the uh, ill-conceived Popeye movie. Oh, dear. Really? Huh? I think so. He was in that movie. I, I could have his role wrong. But okay. He was definitely in that movie. That movie is Ugh. very ill-conceived. It sure was. Uh-huh. And there, there are people out there who will sing its praises and uh, more power to them, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, and also, 
the mobster's wife, played by Catherine Hellman, the mom from Who's the Boss. Yep. Like, she has three lines. She's a, she's, she's clearly, like, got better things to do than a children's cartoon show. And I yet, mean, I think Who's the Boss was still on the air at the time, so she probably had that to do. Yeah, gotta be the old, old hoardy grandma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so my quote. Yes. We actually got, like, it was only a moment. And I might have misinterpreted it, mm. but Bullock didn't seem like a bumbling buffoon in this one. That's nice. He's like the the cops are sort of like following along this mob war thing, and he says, um, "Oh, gee, some mob guys killed some other mob guys. What a damn shame!" Yeah. <laughs> like maybe I'm reading the lines wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that was the intent. It was like, "Oh no, dead murderers! <laughs> what a goddamn tragedy!" And then after that, he kind of gives Gordon shit for his weird Egon flip hair, which I liked. What are you looking at? Your hair. It looked better on TV. Let me ask you uh, something. Why your hair look like that, Kamish? Mm-hmm. Shut up, Bullock. No. How do I get my hair to do that? <laughs> you got to give it a little twist like this. <laughs> oh, that guy could teach us both something there, uh, Harvey. Are you talking try- to me or him? We're both named Harvey. Have you tried blowing half your face off? Wait, face off. <laughs> I want to take his face off. Ugh, terrible. Let's get back to the idea that we're both named Harvey. <laughs> there weren't that many names around back in the night back in the forties. <laughs> Only two. Wait, when was I invented? The sixties. Why did you say Martha? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you can be a Harvey or a Martha, and never the two shall meet. <laughs> Oh, no, my murdered parents, Harvey and Martha Wayne. <laughs> why did you kill us, Bruce? Yeah, why'd you kill us, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's all for this time. We only we only have time to cover two episodes. Two. <laughs> two to two to two. Uh, so next time, as we have uh, intimated already, we will be covering the uh, very, like, I would say top five maybe top three maybe top one episode of this show mm-hmm. uh heart of ice yep which is like seriously everyone holds that up and rightfully so oh yeah one of the quintessential like and we'll obviously talk about it when was we get it, to it this is one that won the emmy yeah i believe so yeah or at least was nominated it's, uh yeah i'm looking at it right now i did win an emmy cool Good. um it should have and uh, and again we'll talk about this at length but the first of many examples of this show taking a villain who was second or third tier and really just like, no, we can do better than this. Mm-hmm. We can we can make him a real heavy hitter. And boy, did they. Yeah. Uh, and as I mentioned, we will be joined uh, by uh, a first time guest for us, uh, like across any of our shows, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Wallace, who, as I said, has done uh, voice performing for us for many, many years. Extremely talented voice actor. And uh, he'll be joining us uh to cover that. And yeah. Also, the other episode has something to do with the penguin who <laughs> Matt is in love with, I think. What? I like the penguin. I, I know. I'm baffled by that, <clears throat> but uh, we'll talk about that next week and, and why this penguin also has flippers like the grotesque Danny DeVito penguin. Just yep. Baffling. <laughs> all right. So that's next week, but uh, that's all for now. Yeah. See ya, folks. For more information about this show and the people who make it, visit kidslovebatman.com.
To provide financial support for this show and all of the shows produced by Algar Productions, consider a pledge at patreon.com slash Algar. That's double A-L-G-A-R. The Kids Love Batman podcast is a co-production of Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Copyright 2020, Algar Productions. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.